Thank you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do? The podcast where I, your host, Dead or Dennis Mowers, speak to artists and entertainers about their day jobs and I'm probably being too loud. <laughs> this is what happens during quarantine. I've gone completely nocturnal. And my roommate is sleeping upstairs and I'm in the studio and I know he can't hear me, but I feel like my intro was still too loud and now I want to whisper the rest of the time because I've been sitting here editing a podcast and not listening or saying a word, just listening. That's what I've been doing is not speaking, just listening with headphones. So everything's quiet. This is what happens. I, I stay up till four or five in the morning because I can't sleep. I do work. I sleep till noon and I don't function. I wake up at noon and I can't function until like three or four in the afternoon. I eat dinner at 11 o'clock. I made a cheeseburger at 11 o'clock tonight to eat before I started working on all of this because this is the only time that my brain functions and is proactive. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. All right, so we're continuing our conversation about COVID-19, but more importantly, comedy clubs, how they're being affected. We've already talked to Chris True of the new movement in New Orleans. Today's conversation is with the owner of the comedy club, improv theater, and school in Greensboro, North Carolina, Jenny Stencil. Um, Jenny and I talk about how we know each other, I say with finger quotes, because we don't. I said something snarky in the internet. I think it may have been uh, how, uh, yeah, UCB is closing their doors. Oh, did they lose all that money paying performers? I think that's the thing I said. And she was like, oh, I like that comment. I'm going to follow this guy. Um, and then I hit her up because she said she was doing an open mic. And I was like, hey, I'll take one. I'll take a spot on that open mic. She'd go, oh, no, this is in person. And this was a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, you're open? This was in anticipation of phase one. Um, so, obviously, you'll hear how that all went and where the status of the comedy club is now. And I think uh, Jenny has a great uh, optimistic opinion of how things are going to happen. Um even though she doesn't, by her own admittance, doesn't have a great business plan when it comes to the club. But not everything is roses. So it was fun talking to her. Uh, it, it was nice to hear somebody is, you know, trying to get through this and doesn't want to come off as someone who is scammy or trying to take advantage of people. So I don't know. It's very commonplace with improv to me it seems very you know i've I've said this plenty of times the business model of improv places is very cannibalistic you make your audience your students and your students your audience and you keep the cycle going and that's how you bring your money into the place um and her place the idiot box comedy club does not have that kind of business model and it's refreshing to hear that so but it is one of those places that may be in danger of not being able to open its doors. Um, you know, we go through North Carolina, who is early to phase one status, and now they're in phase two. So we talk about where her club is and how it fits into the state of North Carolina's game plan. And where does she think we will be and what restrictions will still stay in place after COVID-19 and everything has gone the way of the dodo to use a very overused cliche. Um, I should probably say gone the way of the H1N1. Maybe that's more accurate, but um, it was interesting to hear her opinions as somebody who is actively trying to see what's going on because she has to because her livelihood depends on it. So continuing our week of COVID-19 talk and comedy clubs, please enjoy this conversation with owner of the Idiot Box Comedy Club, Jenny Stencil. Welcome to my, my 
podcast studio. It's very nice. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I've been talking a lot about is that I, I worked really hard to try and make this room cool because I used to face that wall. Oh, yeah. So if I had a webcam, all you saw was just a blank wall backwards, and I removed everything and put it here. <laughs> that way, when I'm doing things like this, it looks cool back there, whereas before, I just wanted, you know, when I'm in here alone podcasting or having people in, I want to inspire me. Now, I want people to look at it and go, oh, this guy looks cool. He looks like a cool cat. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's one of the things that we're desperately trying to do all the time is make ourselves look as much better. Uh, like, I think I care more about my appearance now than I ever did prior to this. <laughs> I care so much less. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I honestly, everyone was like, oh, I haven't worn pants in days. I'm like, I wear pants every day. What is wrong with you? I, st I wake up, I shower, I still put on things. Yeah. I When I was unemployed last year, I was, or self-employed last year, uh, or, as I, or as I like to call it, full-time entertainer. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hungry. Uh, I, uh, you know, there was so much like laying around and, and trying to self-motivate. And then when this happened, um, I'm doing a lot of motivation. So, um, so Yay. welcome, uh, to, to doing this. Uh, let's, uh, first and foremost, let's ask the question we have to ask everybody when we're talking in this day and ages, how are you? How is everybody? And we all know that secretly means, are you sick or is anyone around you sick? No, no, nobody, um, uh. Um, family's good. Uh, no COVID. Uh, kids are good. They're being pretty awesome about this. So it's not been, they're kind of old, uh, but 2019 and 16. So it's, it would be more fun if they were t a little bitty. Cause I could do like fun things with them in the house, but, um, <laughs> Uh, mostly they just sleep and I, I make sure there's food and, and they don't fight. So <laughs> pretty much it, but everybody's fine. You know, I, I mean, it's, but it is like having five, uh, adults in, in a, in a, in a house 24 hours a day, which is, uh, a lot. Sounds like a nightmare. I have one, I have two roommates. One of them moved <laughs> to Chicago when the quarantine went into effect, not moved. He's lived, he went back to Chicago cause oh. he has a long distance relationship and his family's there. So he's like, Hey, if they're going to pay me to work from home, I'll oh, yeah. just call home Chicago again. And we're like, cool. He's still paying rent and doing all that, but I'm only living with one other person and it's amazing. I haven't murdered him yet. Not because there's anything wrong with him, but because I'm an insane person. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just, a, it's a lot. I mean, we've all been super thoughtful and nice about it. And I keep reminding everyone. I'm like, this isn't going to be like this forever. So if somebody's towels on the floor, whatever, like, no, I don't care. I, they, they definitely got the jackpot on a pandemic mom. Cause I, I'm like, you don't got to do nothing. Just <laughs> whatever. We all got to get through it. So like, I haven't said like, clean up, like, no, I don't give a sh I don't care. Like if I'm not cleaning, you're not cleaning. We'll get through it. Somebody will, we'll pay somebody when this is over to steam clean everything. And uh, well, let me ask you this because obviously, you know, going through doing research stuff, because we actually haven't met and I rarely talk to people who I don't know or haven't met in person. Um, and I especially don't, uh, well, let's, let's talk about that. Uh, we are currently Facebook friends. Um, and I had to think yep. why was I, why did I accept your, you know, like I just one day went through and just accepted a whole bunch of like pending Facebook requests because my dumb damaged brain is this. If I have not met somebody in real life, I don't accept the Facebook friend. Request yeah. I, I don't know. And that's nothing wrong with anybody else. 
that's the way my brain works is, is so I can signify, you know, keep track of who people are in one room. Um, the reason we became friends is I think I said something snarky in a Facebook group. And you're like, oh, that's funny. Like that. And then said a friend request. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Let's do this. And in this with so many virtual shows, I can't logically hold up that kind of standards anymore because I'm meeting so many people online and and hanging out and doing that so it's now now it's considered rude if i don't accept facebook friend requests from strangers so yeah it's really hard because the facebook uh, the facebook friend requests are interesting because i just there's about a hundred people that i haven't accepted i don't know who they are yeah and i even if you have so that my used to just have the rule like if you know 50 people i know we're probably good but now it's just because i own a comedy club it's just comics from everywhere and that's using the word comic sort of generously (laughs) and (laughs) which that's cool but then it's like i get like i'm like okay this guy might want work you know and i'll accept it and then it's just pictures of his girlfriend's you know butt for like (laughs) through my facebook feed it's just like look at her booty look at it go and then they draw pictures on it and i'm like i don't want to see this like and also that's not comedy (laughs) it's Hey, is this your calling card? Like, what's going on? So I now I go and look at their page, and I'm like, okay, he is or isn't a comic. What does this person want? But it's definitely like, I think I have to make another Facebook page so I can have like, I can see my niece's whatever, and then <laughs> have like a comedy. Page. I don't know. It's a lot. Yeah, you can see your family, your family photos on one of them, and then when you feel like going to see uh, objectionable booty pics and uh, (laughs) alt-right neckbeard opinions, you can go to that one. (laughs) Yeah, I don't... Those people I just block. I'm tired of them. I'm tired. You guys wear me out. (laughs) Well, one of the reasons I brought up uh, the Facebook thing was also because in this day and age, Facebook is research now. Uh, It's part of researching people, and I was looking through. Was your birthday just May 19th? It was. I turned... uh... 44, 43, 44. Oh, geez. 44. It's the same day as mine, and I turned 39. So, happy happy belated birthday to you as well. Hey, we're we're birthday buddies. Cheers. Hey. So, happy. uh, uh, Sorry you had to spend your birthday much like I did in quarantine. So, I hope you got through it well. Yeah, it was fine. I had a lot of cake. Uh, you mentioned it, and that's why we're, we're going to be talking today, is that you are the owner of a comedy club um, in Greensboro, North Carolina? Yeah, so I own the Idiot Box Comedy Club. It's in Greensboro, North Carolina. And then I created, I'm the executive producer of the North Carolina Comedy Festival, which is an enormous comedy festival <laughs> because I just <laughs> love people. So 350 comedians were supposed oh, to be wow. here this year for that. So it's Pretty big. Oh, and we're gonna. Well, let's talk. Let's start with the festival. What? Ta- what? When was the festival supposed to be? And is it officially canceled or is it postponed? Um, okay, so it was supposed to start two days after Shelter in Place started. Oh Jesus! So, so luckily, oh. I spent all the money, all the last minute money. So luckily, I got rid of all the money I had. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to be weighed <laughs> oh, down God. with money. Um, and all that's non-refundable. God forbid you have a surplus of cash during a quarantine. Yes, it was fantastic. So, um, but I do have <laughs> shot glasses for days now. Uh, so I have um, my potential date originally was to divide the festival into a couple of sections instead of trying to bring so many people to one area from all over because I think that's unrealistic at this point. So I was um, going to divide 
kind of the categories like sketch and improv into one and then stand-ups into the other and uh, push the stand-ups till later since most of them were from literally all over North America. Um, so August and November, but I don't, I'm waiting till we move into the next couple of phases to see, I don't want anybody to come and feel shortchanged and also without any kind of capacity for any of the venues. It's, you know, depending on the festival you go to, I just like people to get what I promised. And we don't normally have shows with four people watching them at our festival. I've been to lots of festivals where four people come and see lots of the shows and that's absolutely fine, but it's just not what I promised. So, um, I don't know how long it'll be till we can have like, it doesn't have to be sold out crowds, but where you're like, glad you bought a plane ticket to come here and won't be mad at me. So I, I have to like, <laughs> we're still waiting and I might have to just do a double decker, 600 people comedy festival next year. Uh, I, I don't know. So I'm, but I'm hoping to make it a good experience whenever I can. So maybe in the, in, in three months, but maybe a little longer. Yeah. So plans are still up in the air, but at least you're considering yeah. your options and you're making contingencies for it. And I've talked to a couple of people who, uh, about festivals and they're just like, yeah, we, we've canceled. We just, yeah. we don't know if it'll ever come back. And they're just like, Oh, that's so defeatist. Yeah, I mean, I, and I've gotten uh, a bunch of my, uh, submission, I've gotten a bunch of submission emails from festivals I've submitted to that have like refunded submissions or just say, Hey, FYI, we're not canceling. It will be postponed. It will be happy happening. You are in it. Just wait until see what happens. So it's nice to hear somebody has a game plan and positive yeah, thought. About it. I don't think that this is like a dead art form or a dead way of building your career. Festivals <laughs> are super helpful uh, with making connections and seeing what's out there. And there's a loads and loads of things you can get out of different festivals but also you can get COVID right now. So <laughs> right now I just don't, it wouldn't be worth like we, when I think about submitting for myself as a comedian, I'm like, am I going to want to get in on an airplane and go somewhere and then come home and then potentially get everybody sick? No. So yeah. I think until I personally think, well, that's, that's, that's not so much of a risk anymore. Now I think it's okay. Blah, blah, blah. Until I'm there. I don't feel like, although people that are like, gotta do comedy they don't you know they they're like we'll be fine and i'm like yeah but i'm responsible for you mm -hmm. you know so i'm definitely mommying this one up but i um <laughs> just until you know <laughs> just until it's like all right it's safe enough so let's talk about that um video box comedy club where uh how long how long has the club been open and just briefly what's the history behind the club because you do improv you do stand up there's a school there too as well that's teaching classes and stuff so I moved here in 2001 from about an hour away where uh, my husband and I had run like a small improv club um, in like a basement of Franklin Street. We lived in Chapel Hill um, and it was uh, it was called it was a comedy sports, which is like a chain improv, um, a franchised improv yep, thing. Well familiar um, with and it. then we moved here. Um, because we didn't want to open our, we didn't want to compete. The owner was really nice. So, but we didn't want to work for somebody else anymore. And we wanted to do comedy. And, um, so we moved about an hour away and opened one here. And so it started out as just a part-time improv club where we were open two nights a week. Um, but we were paying, it was a very bad business model, like to be open. 
I mean, like, I can't believe we thought like now I'm like, what? were you stupid? Like, I was, it's like very it's just a bad model. <laughs> so it wasn't that the comedy wasn't funny. It was that like you can't pay your rent and never be open. Like, what were we doing? So it's gone through some changes. Uh, and then we both started doing stand up shortly after we moved to Greensboro. So it became an improv and stand up club. But, you know, I'm an expert level improv person. So I do that a couple nights a week and I do the training for that. And then we have stand up where we, ha- and I'm not an expert level stand up. Um, <laughs> I'm a uh, stand up. Uh, I'm okay. I'm all right. Uh, we, <laughs> we do that um, a couple nights a week. Um, and then we have workshops for people that a lot of people want to get into stand up or they want to give it a try or they want to try new things. So we have classes for those people that are like, Ooh, I, I don't want to embarrass myself. How do I get tip dip my toe in that? So we teach those workshops. Um, and then we've been in like three locations because we couldn't, you know, we opened thinking, oh, we'll seat 137 people, no problem. And then the first five years, it was like, oh, this show had 12 people. So maybe we should downsize. <laughs> um, but now I think we're in the perfect spot. Um, if there wasn't a pandemic, we would have had a fantastic festival and business is okay where we are. We're doing pretty well. It's um, We've only been in this location for like a year and a half. Um, but we have like a full bar. We don't have a drink minimum. And, you know, the ticket prices are affordable for Greensboro and people can come. And we bring in big acts a lot, but the focus is to Brit to help up and coming comics do full sets and become, you know, features and headliners. That's the focus. It's like people from this area becoming comedians. Yeah, it's nice when somebody who owns a comedy club is interested in cultivating the local talent. Yeah. Um, because you don't get that in a no, lot of places you don't. in this day and age. You really so don't. We, just, um, we yeah. have in North Carolina, which two of the cities are, two of the major cities that do comedy nearby are about an hour and 15, hour and 30 minutes away. And so total, there's about now like 150 comics that are getting paid to do comedy. Not They're not everybody's not feature level or anything in that 150, but, um, and that's, you know, we have an open mic that sells out, which is an insane (laughs) regular people come and watch an open mic, which like I run it and I'm like, Oh God, (laughs) how many, and we have uh, 40, 40 comics on the list every, every Thursday. So it it is a really fun thing and it's a pretty supportive community. We just, the D bags of comedy don't, they find other places, I think. I mean, not we're not all perfect, but um, it's a pretty supportive, and people have help each other get work and stuff. So it's it's kind of neat. That's good. Uh, it's nice to hear. Uh, you know, a lot of that supporting each other does come from in the improv community because it is a very supportive industry, much more than stand up is, where it's very insular and singular yeah. and you know, clicky and stuff like that. So uh, I'm not surprised to hear that yeah. a place that started doing improv is also being supportive of comedians and stuff. Um, but also. I'm not. I'm as I'm. I'm surprised to hear that you have, have sellout audiences at an open mic, but also not surprised because in a smaller yeah. market like you are, there's less things to do. So like when I was in Baltimore, which is a smaller comedy market where I started, we treated open mics like real shows because we didn't have it really anything else, and people would come out to them because they didn't. Yeah. Here in Boston, people know what open mics are and they don't go to them except for comedians. So it it's nice to hear that in a smaller market that people are. Uh, be your audience is still being engaging so that's fine yeah i think so and i think because the club supports newer comics growing and and you know getting to that next level everybody supports the club so they're not going to tear down comedians that i put up 
because then that makes the club look bad, you know? So it's like, it's like a series of let's all just keep, you know, let's keep supporting. And it's pretty cool. The sellouts on the open mics still weird me out because I'm just like, you know, that like, (laughs) this isn't like, this is, this is just, we're just giving it a shot here. Like this, (laughs) this joke's going to be good in like three years. Like, this is playing in the garage is what they're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what did the what the the first few days or the approaching days of the quarantine, what did it look like at the club? What were your feelings? Were you concerned about having to cancel the festival? Were you concerned about having to close and, and not uh, have an income stream and stuff like that? Um, so the canceling the, of the festival was really, that was pretty emotionally, I mean, that, that really hurt. So the, the fact is, is that this whole space, is funded through me. I've never made any money. I just pour more money into it. When we make money, we help comics get videos. When we make money, we, I mean, I've made probably a thousand dollars in 16 years. It's, it really has not been a cash cow. And this year we finally were kind of making a little bit of money. And so it was, and I, and I really mean a little bit, but it was like, Ooh, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm do. I'm a grown up comedy club owner. And, um, and then the p- pandemic was like, no, 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 you're not. So it, <laughs> it was definitely soul crushing for a few days. Um, but then it was like, well, nobody's sick. So nobody's dying. Nobody's sick. Nobody's dying. So we're just going to be fine. Um, it is, you know, it's, it, I don't feel very motivated, which some people have done some really amazing things. They're like, oh, I've got these Zoom shows up. And I did create some shows this week to set up private shows and ideas that I think will work for companies that want to do something private for their employees. I, and I have that set up and I think it's worth paying for at this point. Whereas originally I was like, who's going to pay for this? You know, and now I'm like, okay, how do I make this good? So I feel like it's a real product. But, you know, no, I'm paying the bills with my, with my money. Like, it's like the bank accounts are just, you know, and, uh, falling apart and it's getting long. So we sold t-shirts and a bunch of people bought t-shirts. Um, and that was awesome. Cause that actually paid some bills for the first month, but now it's like they've moved to phase two and left us out of phase two. Uh, but that, I guess that was on Friday, but we didn't find out we weren't included until Wednesday night when, and I was happy with limited. I'm good with 15 people. If I can have 15 people in the venue, I can pay the bills. So I was coming up with different show formats where 15 won't be a bummer and it'll be great. Um, And now I'm not included, which means another several weeks. And now they've included venues that I think are, they don't really know comedy clubs like this, there's not so many of them that the governor knows what I even do. Right. So like, they're like, Oh, there's people are going to be dancing and moving around. I'm like, it's not a nightclub. We don't have a bowl. We don't have a riding bowl. We don't, <laughs> people come sit down, they drink one drink and they laugh for an hour and then they get up and leave. Like it's a very low key venue. So I, I read, I can apply for an exemption to be able to do shows. Um, as long as I, so I'm researching it, but it's, you know, now they've got breweries open and I'm like, that's more dangerous than what I'm doing. Like, because people are coming and going constantly. I'm talking about 
you know, sanitizing everything, bringing them in, sitting them down, they get up and leave. Like, and I'm requiring masks um, and no, none of the breweries, they're suggesting them. Uh, and I, you have to buy your ticket in advance. And if you don't agree to wear a mask, you can't come in. And like, I've got kids. So like, I have no desire for my kids to get sick because you're stupid. Like I, <laughs> I don't, I'm not trying to be mean, but it's not, that's not worth your $10. Like you can just spend it somewhere else. So I'm hoping that in the next couple of weeks, maybe I'll get included because it's, I think we're a very low risk environment. Um, there's nothing, there's not a lot of stuff to touch. We don't sell food. You know, it's just a, and I'm happy to use throwaway cups and I have Lysol for all the doorknobs and, you know, so fingers crossed, but it's been just money, money in the toilet. Like legitimately, I, I wish I could was. <laughs> well, I, that's one of the things that I was wondering, we'll talk more about the you know, North Carolina and the phases is that, um, where you know, so you talked about do you know doing the selling the T-shirts uh, for money, which is brings in money, but it's also uh, a low pay, you know it's a uh, there's not a lot of payback. You know, yeah. It costs a lot to make T-shirts, and you don't make a lot of money selling them, but it's still money coming in. Like our local improv place, I told us like, why aren't you guys creating new T-shirts to sell? And there with there's so many outlets where you don't even have to buy the bulk and sell them; they'll do all the work for you. You get a yeah. lower percentage. You know, if you sell a shirt for 20 bucks um, and you get $4 off of it because the company has to, the, the company makes ships and prints and does all that work. Well, hey, that's $4 per shirt that you weren't getting beforehand, but they're against it. I don't know. I'm glad that you thought about it. Other than the shirts, what other things were you trying to do to at least bring in some income? Yeah. So we sold gift cards and I think, you know, it became really obvious that people that loved the idiot box just were giving me money and (laughs) which I am very grateful, but I was um, really focused on people not giving us money. There are people with no food right now. So like I, and I, and I don't want to be a drama queen about it, but I'm like, I can pay these bills for three months. So I'm so grateful for anybody that bought a shirt or did anything. I absolutely am. But I'm like, really, there are people with no food. So like, let's not, don't worry about it. You know, like, I mean, now if I go into four and five months, I might change my tune (laughs) because I won't have food. (laughs) But um, (laughs) the it's it's getting rough. Uh, But I think the first thing we did is we set up like a social, um, AJ Schrader, who um, is a, he's a sketch comedian in the area. He set up, he changed the website for us and he turned it into a social distancing comedy festival thing. And we gave away a couple of prizes and people made videos at home. And at first people were really excited about it. But then after a while, everybody's like, this is depressing. I haven't gotten my unemployment. Leave me alone. So um, we did just put up food banks. You could donate to if you wanted to, instead of sending us money. Uh, And then um, the other thing, I couple of programs I set up were like, so online sketch class, uh, AJ Strader taught that. Um, and we made a little money through that. He made a little money. I made a little money. Um, and then we did um, an online stand-up class. that's going to start their workshops. It's not a, it's not a, it doesn't teach you, but it, it helps you along. Um, and then I'm setting up the improv one, which I'm, you know, I just, I don't love that. And then I, I, I love being up and doing stuff. So that's, uh, you know, it's, I, I think you can get something out of it. I just, you know, I want you to get the full experience and that's just not the full experience. Um, and then, um, I started some programs where 
Um, it's a show for a group. So like, there's a lot of people that still are trying hard to celebrate things, even though there's just no point. So, uh, you know, like, cause it's like, you can't be with anybody. So they're doing like zoom birthday parties or zoom, uh, appreciation, like customer or, um, employee appreciation stuff. So I set up like, um, we wrote some new, um, murder mysteries. And so we used, we do those people hire us to do those, uh, for bar mitzvahs and birthdays and stuff every year. So we just turned what we had into things that work on zoom, you know, those may sell. Um, that's like a new thing. We just set that up. And so, and then some short form shows stand up. I don't, I haven't found lends itself perfectly to zoom. I don't disagree at all. I know that we all want to do it, but as far as it being a really great product, it isn't, <laughs> um, it, it can be, I'm certain somebody can come up with something great. Uh, I do think people like seeing us interact. So there's, there's something there, but uh, you know, I'm not sure. I don't know that p- people are into, into that. So that's not a product I'm offering right now. Yeah. I do three or four virtual open mics and comedy shows a week. And it's definitely not the same for the audiences. Uh, I feel like I do well cause my stand is very conversational. So it can come off as uh, I can, I can yeah. do it very conversationally and, I don't know if this makes me a professional or what, but I'm okay with telling jokes and not hearing laughter. I can get through that. <laughs> I don't know if that's a skill or a sad realization yeah, right? of my life, uh, Well, uh, but I can get through it. It's it's weird. Cause you're like, does this mean I'm good or bad? <laughs> right? I, so I, I you know, it, but I, the thing I've been saying about these virtual things are as, as if performing is a, an addiction, this is methadone. You know, this is getting me through. It's not the real thing. It's yeah. not a real high, but it's keeping me from going insane. And my buddy Ken Reed was just like, yeah, it's very selfish for the performer. And I'm like, you know, 100% it is. Uh, but I still want to put on a good show, but I still need this and, as and much you as. you know, it's not like no one is enjoying them. I mean, like there's a company here. She's producing online content. People are paying and watching it and liking it. And they're doing a nice job with in the confines of the situation. But the amount of comics that are good at this, it's smaller. I do think you have to be conversational. I do think you have to be okay without hearing laughter. I do think you have to be. uh, I don't think people realize how animated you actually have to come across when you're you don't move, you know, like, you know, um, and so like deadpan and stuff like that is legitimately painful to um, to watch you know and so um there's some people that are probably perfectly cut out for it and then that's a matter of always finding them when you book your shows but it's going to there are some you know with with all the comedy clubs the ones that make it through which won't be all of us um the there are going to be 20% of people are will still be afraid to go out of their house for activities like this in a year and 20% won't be able to afford it. So our percentages are already down 40%, you know, with just those things. So if there's something cheaper and at home that people can engage with, you're maybe picking up some people along the way with your other products. I feel like right now the there's a, a new at first, I didn't think we needed a new performance platform, Yeah, but I was totally wrong. It's called Rally.Video, R-A-L-L-E-Y dot video. Uh, and it's made by comics for comedians. Uh, it's like two open micers or like a, like a guy who just started doing comedy and an improviser who are also 
coders built this website for performance that is almost the closest thing you're going to get to a live room because uh, that you can f- you can still hear the people laugh. They just make the laughter tr- a little bit lower, so everyone's volume's on, and you can hear them laugh and and and, and interact with them. But it's not overwhelming, and it doesn't overpower. It doesn't cut things out. So if you're performing, you're talking there, you can still hear everybody laughing and giggling and stuff. So they did a really good job of making it feel cool. as close as you get to a live scenario. So uh, anyone out there looking for a platform, rally.video. Rally.video. This, this podcast sponsored, not really, by Rally.video. Maybe it will be. <laughs> what is, uh, so you already talked about uh, Carolina, North Carolina has moved already into phase two, which a lot of states are just starting phase one here. Massachusetts, we're starting phase one. And they said with phase one, each we're going to do a four-phase system, each phase lasting three weeks, minimal. So here, we're not looking at opening for 12 weeks, um, potentially. Depending on where we're at, we fall on the spectrum. But North Carolina was one of the first, I think it was May 8th, you guys enacted phase one, and now you're already into phase two. Um, and this we're recording this over yeah. Memorial Day weekend, so that's a pretty quick turnaround. Now, you're not included in phase two, but just briefly, what's what was North Carolina's uh, stipulations for enacting phase one. What things did they change going into phase two? Um, and where are you at right now with, you know, the phases and reopening and stuff? So phase one was like, all right, you don't have to stay in your house. You're allowed out of your house. Um, so it really, it wasn't much. I mean, I can't (laughs) even, it was so little that I was like, this is this, I can go to the grocery store still. Um, phase two, which I was surprised that we moved. They said, you know, this date, the 22nd, they said Friday, um, we'll move into phase two. So phase two included um, restaurants can be open at 50% capacity if they follow a lot of standards. So like moving the tables and a lot of things like that. Uh, Gyms cannot be open, although we thought they were going to be on the list. And uh, bars cannot be open. Bars are like, it's a really confusing thing in North Carolina because so bars aren't, they're using all this terminology that isn't legal. So like bars aren't even legal here. You have to be a private club or a restaurant. Um, and now I guess like this month they changed it to something else. So the, all the terminology they're using leaves it hard for you to know if you're allowed to be open. Like uh. they had to like go back through and because technically I'm a private club. Um, I'm not a bar uh, because they don't exist. So <laughs> <laughs> like it's a whole like a lot of, I'm like, so what is private club? So they started listing out things and they're like, are you an entertainment venue? And I'm like, well, legally, like, like, I don't, you know, I'm a private club. Where does that fall on the list? So it's not on the list, you know? So th- there's a lot of things that are confusing. Um, so they left breweries off the list and then changed their mind because that's a lot of businesses that will li- go out of business if they don't open this week, like 40% of all breweries are going out of business anyway uh, because of this. But if they don't open now, they're going out of business. So they added them, but then not bars. So a brewery is allowed to be open, but a bar's not. Yeah. What's the difference? So the difference is I, I think they believe, you know, people in, people in the Senate aren't really hanging out in bars. So they don't really know what one is like. They don't like, I don't know what these guys do, but they don't go out in public a lot. So I think they're thinking of a bar as like a nightclub situation. Cause like in South Korea, they did have a lot of, when the nightclubs opened, um, people were dancing. You can't be out dancing without a mat. Like you're getting too close to strangers. So it, there was a big spread again. 
So really what they should say is if they're fit, if there's fixed seating in your business and you can control how many people come in and out, you should be good to go. But that's, you know, they're just using random terminology. So breweries can be open, bars can't. Now there's a bar up the street that's a bar, but they serve food so they can be open, but I can't be open. So if I had a kitchen where I, people were eating and licking things, I'd be good to go. Like it's a very my head hurts. <laughs> yeah. So it does feel like it does. It doesn't make any sense. It does feel like it's just me now. Like I feel like I'm the only business me and some, you know, well, you gyms know. can't be. <laughs> um, phase three will be me and the gold's gym, but we'll see when they get there. And I, I think there's some like there's gathering rules too. So I am going to apply for an exemption and see, they just don't know what I do. So I fall into no category and um, you know, so we'll see, but the phases they're going to have to go. What, what my concern was and which I think I told you originally, I was like not even bothering with the online stuff, but my real concern is that I believe we were going to go phase one, phase two, phase three, and then back to one because people are being crazy, you know, not making, not following the rules, not being safe. And if that happens, there's going to be a big outbreaks. And so they're going to have to shut us down again. So if I get closed again, I, I don't think that any comedy club is going to be able to withstand being shut. I mean, you got to have a, a, a million dollars sitting <laughs> in the bank somewhere. Some of them do, I guess <laughs> to withstand two closures in a year for several months. So that's the only reason I was like, oh, well, I better have some online content for when we reclose, which is the real worry. But it's messy. And also, I think, like, how funny are we going to be when we don't perform for four months? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, what am I going to put on stage, yo? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, much like the gym, the comedy club is where you work out your muscle. Um, so that's the only, yeah. the only comparison through the two is, you know, you have both, both of those things you have to constantly be working out to stay good at doing it. So that that's, oh, it's, it, I, but, but hearing this, the, the ambiguity of, and the arbitrary rules that they're in standards that they're putting in place as a business owner, which you are, must be absolute maddening to, to hear Yay on uh, on some and no reason why on uh, no on the others and it's seems like my head hurts just listening yeah, to well, it. Yeah, I feel like there, I feel like there's just no way for them to have. It's like these blanket rules, but but everybody, every business is a little bit different. And honestly, you need a local person to say this one can follow the rules, this one can't, this one can, this one can't, and somebody that's been in there and knows. So if you feel like you can prove that you can follow the rules to keep people safe, then you should be allowed to be open as long as you are doing that. Um, and at this point, and, and, you know, I, I think the governor did a really good job. So I, I appreciate him and I hate even being negative. I, but like I'm losing a lot of money and I'm no different than a brewery at this point. So it, it would be nice for them to be like, you, you get the exemption. That makes sense. Um, I know that the house of comedy uh, or comic strip, uh, Rick Bronson owns some spaces and he's actually spread a lot of uh, video uh, um, and articles from the area where he was allowed to be open because he is a restaurant. Also, they serve food and they were doing like all the health precautions and they were really reducing the size that they were allowing of people in the building. And then they 
put down an order that said they couldn't be open after they were included. And so, which is kind of not, that's ridiculous. Uh, Cause like he was, he's a restaurant. That's it's a giant restaurant. Um, but if he put somebody on stage, people laughing is the, the concern. And I was like, what? And you know, those, those clubs bring an enormous amount of money to, uh, the cities that they're in his really large venues. Um, and so it's a shame that they're not like, at least talking to the guy, like look and see what he did because you know, if they're bleaching everything and following every precaution, why is Outback open? Like it's the same. So, you know, it, it is, it is like they picked and choose. I don't think they did. I think they are guessing at everything and it's a lot. Nobody was expecting this pandemic except for, I guess, George Bush knew it was coming. <laughs> he, um, he, he warned everybody. I don't know why we didn't listen. Oh, man. Nobody ever wants to admit he's right in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. But uh, so let's let's talk about the future. Um, in your opinion, what you think as a business owner, what you're seeing restrictions that are being put in place and qualifications, stuff like that. Well past all of this, when we get past the COVID, everything is open. We go back to whatever our new normal is going to be, which whatever that sentence means to you or them. What do you think? You know, you're allowed to reopen. Everything goes back to normal for a thing. What do you think is going to change? And so I think once there's a legitimate vaccine and we've all gotten it, um, I think things will be on their way back to normal. There's going to be a turnover of a lot of things. First of all, I think comedy is going to change significantly because our lives have changed significantly. And most of the jokes you told don't work. Like <laughs> now, now we have all been... Well, yesterday I was at a restaurant. No, you weren't. You weren't at a restaurant yesterday. <laughs> no, you weren't anywhere <laughs> uh, yesterday. That was one so, of the things I not, I have not thought about uh, changes to comedy because <laughs> that I hate the the so uh, somebody said to me the 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 full fake lie setup thing. I hate yeah. that so much when it's you like can't get away with that because people know you were at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, so I didn't even think about that. There's a lot of things like that. Um, and then I think that the fact is, is that there's a lot of, um, you know, the being close to people, shaking hands and all that stuff. I'm never touching another hand literally again. Like I got the flu in January and I know it was from that open mic shaking 40 comics hands. And so like the next week I was like, I'm not touching y'all ever again. This was pre the pandemic and they were all made fun of me. And then <laughs> I was like, I'm serious. Like, don't touch me. And then <laughs> This happened and I was like, see, uh, I told you. So I'm, I'm hoping that there's just, you, you know, people are like, they're, like space becomes a little more important in the cities and people are a little more aware that things are gross. Uh, you know, when I, it's funny because I'm from the South and cities aren't even really a thing here. Like we our cities, you would laugh at our cities. Like they're just big towns. And except for like Atlanta is obviously a city, but the rest of them, you know. The traffic, you'd be like, yeah, that's traffic. That's cute. Like, <laughs> and so when I go to New York, I'm like, y'all just touch the railing. Like, and I don't even care about germs, but it's, it's fucking sticky. Like you just touch <laughs> sticky stuff. And that's not, that's not your sticky stuff you're touching. That's somebody else's <laughs> sticky. What is happening? And then you'll just get food off the street from somebody that ate off that spoon. And then it like, I saw a guy eat off a serving spoon and then serve with the serving spoon. And I was like, this is not a thing. 
I know, so, but I guess it, it's fine with everybody, right? Like it, and so I think a lot of that might have a shift, um, and also just the idea that you know we were getting dirty, like everything's dirty. It doesn't need to be. You can clean up after yourself. So hopefully that's less gross. But the business side of it, you know, the idiot box we see like our tables. Uh, seat six people whether you know them or not if we fill up you sit with these six people uh, or that's how it was and I don't think I'll be able to do that for a very long time so it'll be a matter of putting people you know they don't want to sit no one will want to sit near a stranger I think just emotionally we won't be ready for that for well past the vaccine being injected into our bodies Mm, Uh, (laughs) Wow! because it's um, everything feels a little grosser now you know yeah you hear somebody cough and you're like, what is that? Just an old guy or is he sick? Is it allergies or is it the COVID? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like you got something or are you going to get you got something you can give me? Like, I don't want that. Whatever that is. So we'll see. Um, I'm hoping that the entertainment industry grows from it and doesn't falter. Yeah. My, uh, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm optimistic as a person or maybe my cynicism has gone so far into optimism where I think that. Much like, like we, my opinion on this and just me, um, everyone said after 9-11, everything we know is going to change. And for the yeah. most part, no, it hasn't. We're all back to normal. Everything we've done, with the exception of the TSA, our lives are exactly the same way they were prior to 9-11, with the exception of the TSA. And we all collectively agree it's useless and pointless and is a joke now. So that's, I, I, yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. I don't, I don't know if that's positive thinking or cynical thinking that once, you know, a year from now, we're going to use, you know, we're going to laugh at, oh, remember quarantine? <laughs> oh, face mask. Oh, <laughs> uh, like, I, you know, one of the things that I keep wondering is, that, uh, you know, showing my grandkids a photo album one day and one of them look at me is like, Grandpa, why did everybody in 2020 dr- dress like they were going to rob a stagecoach? So uh, I think <laughs> I, I am up. It was the style. Right. Like, I, I, yeah. They're gonna, we're going to look at masks, uh, surgical masks and bandanas the same way that I looked at my parents' high school photo albums when they had porn stashes. So. Well, you know, it's really funny because I, I can't cook. And well, I can now, believe it or not, but I couldn't, I didn't cook. My kids ate restaurant food five of the seven meals of the week when they were little. Like I was like, where are we going? And we ate dinner out all the time. And so then this has been a big shift for me, but, um, you know, I'm like, now we have food we can eat that isn't disgusting. I've learned how to make real food and that's kind of nice. Uh, <laughs> cause I, I have 44, like, come on. Right. So, but like, I don't know how much I need to sit in a restaurant to eat anymore. You know, I don't, I think like now I'm like, yeah, what do I get out of that? It costs more. I'm, I could get sick. Uh, you know, and it's so, for some of us, maybe the shift to being at home a little bit more was like a good thing. Like the money I wasted eating out is disgusting, right? Like if I had just made chicken nuggets at my house for 20 years, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, I, uh, but I'm, I, I do think people are still going to want to see funny things, still going to want to enjoy their lives. Um, so hopefully comedy blooms and it doesn't, um, take too much of a hit after this initial pain, which is pretty painful. And it's so boring. Like it's just, it's not interacting with comics every night is boring, you know? 
So hopefully everybody's like, let's go out and be safe. And then eventually they're like, let's go out. Yeah. <laughs> but still wash our hands. Yeah, I, I hope. Well, it, you know, one of the, the circles of things that I'm involved in was uh, our comic book conventions. And for years, the it's been a joke, but a very real thing called the nerd flu, which is after every convention, you get a minor cold just because you're packed with 20,000 people in a small area. There's no air conditioning. It's hot. You're rubbing up and touching sweaty people who don't know how to use deodorant and shit like that. So (laughs) nothing really in the comic book convention industry has changed because we all know, all right, we're going to go to this thing. We'll use as much hand sanitizer as we can when interacting. We'll, do what we can and take a Z pack and hope that we come back without a minor cold. And none of that. Yeah. So none of this changed. What do you do for a comic book uh, convention? I would, well, as a comic book fan, I would also go and just actually do interviews. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, But no, I went and I would go and do interviews with, with artists and do podcasts and um, different conventions and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I've, I've, my background, which you don't know, is I've worked for iHeartRadio for 15 years. I've been working in the radio industry for 20, now 21 years. Um, and I keep saying the radio industry, now I'm in the podcast industry. Um, you know, I'm a stand-up yeah. comedian and an actor and all these things. So when I go to these conventions, I like to do interviews. I like to share other people's stories and stuff like that. Much like we're having you on here to share your story, which is, and I'm going to talk to other people who are involved in comedy clubs. And so far, every story has been different because no one person's experience is exactly the same. Uh, and that's what, you know, I think things like comic. Well, when I started doing the interviews at comic book convention, it was just when these things started getting big in the mainstream. So you were, I focused predominantly on local comedian or local comic book artists and telling their stories um, and talking about their artistry and stuff. Um, or I did, uh, I hosted a bunch of panels at a sci-fi film f- festival the other year and again, wanted to talk to, like I hosted a whole panel about why we need re- more representation in the film industry. And it was great that I hosted it because I am the reason that you need diversity in filmmaking. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, it's, it, so that's what I was doing at those, uh, you know, I was doing YouTube interview, interview videos what, 15 years ago when it was f- fucking impossible to do now you can just do it all day you can just oh, yeah. live stream your entire life all like we've all now become the truman show in our own uh, with w- in our own yeah. hands and whereas before so that's yeah the, well like i said the other conventions yeah you know you know you're gonna go to this thing and it's a 98 percent chance you're gonna come back with a cold for a week yeah we did i actually did a couple of conventions and i'm not the, i don't think i'm the you know target demo for a comic book convention not when i started now you are but (laughs) (laughs) now now i am yeah my buddy uh made some art uh, for it and then he makes notebooks uh and so i like went to help and i dressed up as a comic book character i was like well i might as well enjoy the whole thing but it is weird i mean it's a really different experience um and then you're just walking along and there's like celebrities all over the place and uh you know and you're just in some like cavernous ballroom with like harley quinn stuff everywhere and yeah um and just uh, yeah it's it's neat though everybody loves everybody that's there loves what that stuff is so much so it is kind of neat i mean it's like it's a it was pretty fun i did not get sick but i didn't touch anybody so <laughs> and mountains and mountains of dusty paper paper like just this just when you think about comic books like they are so like so fragile and disposable and there's just mountains of it that 
if somebody just yeah if uh, uh, somebody just accidentally set off the fire alarm and all the millions of dollars of product lost if the if the not even if a fire happens if the, the the sprinklers just go off because somebody smoked a cigarette inside and millions of dollars lost to just this fragile fragile artifacting record keeping medium yeah so all right to wrap up so you think in the future you know there will be stronger standards of cleanliness not to say that we don't have strong standards of cleanliness, but uh, a, a little more in-depth in the future. And well, do you think capacities are going to change? Do you think fire marshals are going to come in and go, hey, look, we know you were 100C capacity, but from here on out, you have to have 75. You can only have 75 people and a minimum of one feet between each chair or some kind of insane thing like that. No, I don't think that will be a long-term change. I think, I mean, that'll be a change until this is under control. Um you know, whatever phase you're in, they'll have limited capacity. But, you know, this isn't something that's going to happen all the time. Like, this, we're not going to have another one of these next year. You know, it's uh, it's an unusual situation, and they handled it uh, poorly. We shouldn't have ever been in this situation because we knew it was coming. So it was, there's really no excuse None of this should have happened. I don't know who we can sue about it, but it's definitely it was like some mismanagement somewhere. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll call a lawyer. <laughs> um, but there's, I'll be that lady, right? You're going to um, be, you literally just became the Karen who wanted to speak to coronavirus's manager. Coronavirus management, please. And yes, I'll hold, but not for very long. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, but we'll see. I, I don't, it won't be permanent. Okay, I like I like that 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 level of optimism on it. So, Jen, thanks so much for uh, joining in and chatting with me. Thank you. Um, if people want to support the Idiot Box, um, where and how can they do that? Well, if you're from Greensboro or anywhere in North Carolina, once we have shows, you can do those. But idiotbox.com, you can uh, check out our idiotboxers.com. Check out our website. Follow us on all of our social media things. And if you're a comedian, you can apply to the comedy festival, the North Carolina Comedy Festival. Uh, submit your video from whatever you have uh, um, and uh, for the next year and come out and support us through being a member of the uh, part of the festival and sharing your comedy. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Um, good luck with everything and I hope the, uh, I hope the family stays healthy and well. You too. Ah.